Welcome to Sidebar, the bite-sized episodes of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. I'm Laura, and I'm joined by Andy. You know, I like it. I, I was just going to say, I can't... Well, hold on. i got to introduce Vady. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Ethereal voice. <laughs> Unnamed. Futurama floating head over here. We're doing a really good job with oh our gosh. intros lately. Yeah, I feel we, like we're we, really we, nailing it. Getting a little loosey-goosey, which, speaking mm-hmm. of loosey-goosey, um, if, in case you couldn't, well, in case you're like me and couldn't quite tell whether Andy was just doing his Seinfeld no, theme that's different. impression again, that's or whether different. that was, I know, or whether that was <laughs> the music that you would hear in certain types of adult mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. So I teased this a little bit last week. I said that we were going to talk about pornography. So here we are. We're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm very excited. I mean, you all. Yes. It's it's always fun to to talk about a topic that's, well, I don't know. This one's apparently controversial too. Like there, it turns out there are people out there who reportedly want to ban porn. Like uh, JD Vance apparently, mm-hmm. although he actually hasn't been elected to anything, so I'm not going to waste my time on him. But in 2016, for example, the Republican Party declared internet pornography to be a public health crisis. <laughs> um, and we've got <laughs> Senate. Senator Josh Hawley, who has a bit of a crusade against porn and video games, too. And I, I guess he blames feminism. You know what? I don't have time for him either. He's, he's got <laughs> some interesting thoughts on uh, masculinity. That's that's for sure. We have a disproportionate amount of Yale Law graduates that are prosecuting porn. J.D. Vance, Josh Hawley. Over the years, Congress has also attempted to regulate online pornography, which I'll get into later. But... I'm here to tell you, dear listener, that porn is probably not going anywhere anytime soon, thanks to our old pal, the First Amendment. Yeah, big ups for <laughs> 1A. First Amendment is like everybody's friend. Like, you can just use it for no matter who you are. You can make a First Amendment argument of some sort. Are you trying to tell me that porn is protected by the First Amendment? And for the most part, yes, yes it is. But Sorry, Mom. <laughs> like, solid. Mostly. <laughs> Uh, it depends on how you old you are when you when you call your mom your mom. It might not be protected for you. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, so yes, there there are there are two categories that that do not receive First Amendment protection, and thus their sale or distribution is illegal. The first is child pornography, which is pretty it's pretty straightforward, easy to see the social rationale there. But the second category is a little more is a little more complicated and. Uh, That is obscenity, which is this uh, probably one of the most confusing concepts in constitutional law with no settled definition that applies to a very narrow category of pornography. So we're not talking about all sexually explicit materials here. The fact that a film or a book or whatever arouses people doesn't matter. It's likely going to Mm -hmm. be protected by the First Amendment. And but the, the Supreme Court has struggled for literally decades to try to figure out, they say, okay, we know that there's some stuff that we don't want to give First Amendment protection to, but we're not exactly sure how to define it. Um, In 1964, Justice Potter Stewart wrote that the court was faced with the task of trying to define what may be indefinable. But he more famously is the one who said, I know it when I see it. (laughs) So so I don't know. As referring to obscenity. Yep. So I don't know how to define obscenity, but I know it when I see it. And then you also have Justice John Marshall Harlan, who once noted that one man's vulgarity is another person's lyric, which is something that I sort of ran into recently. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to share a story about 
This is not about obscenity. It's more about being vulgar, I guess. So I own a t-shirt that says fudge racism, except it doesn't say fudge. (laughs) And (laughs) along with several middle fingers on it. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I love this shirt. But, you know, I was out walking around recently and I had a neighbor call me out (laughs) and and she said, shame on you. And I said, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with, though, right? And then she walked Uh away from me. (laughs) Uh oh! <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, because that's if you, you're right, right. And she can't do anything. Well, and, and you know, we could get into like, do you disagree with the concept or the way I'm conveying? It? Is because that all? Those, she those said are two was different. You and then walked away. Yeah, that's it. And you're gonna have to defend your your shame on you comment. Exactly. I was like, are you? Yeah, are you referring to my stance on <laughs> on racism or yeah, the way I'm exactly. saying? So in the early years, the Supreme Court borrowed a definition from an old British case called Regina versus Hickman from 1868. <laughs> I know it's not dirty, guys. I know. It's, I said means rough. queen. I said it means R-E, queen. Regina. R E Regina, the queen. I knew you were going to laugh at that. Appropriate episode. Come on, Andy. <laughs> so that case defined obscenity as something that has a tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences. Like Andy, apparently. apparently. Get your mind out of the gutter. (laughs) Um, But the Supreme Court created a new test for obscenity in 1957 in Roth versus United States, where they held that what matters is whether whether to the average person applying contemporary Mm -hmm. community standards, the dominant theme of the material taken as a whole appeals to the prurient interest, which is a concept that even in law school couldn't quite figure out what anybody means by that. And that's another sort of layer to this is nobody really seems to know what exactly prurient means. I mean, Merriam Webster defines it as marked by or arousing an immoderate or unwholesome interest or desire as a legal standard. The the best definition I've been able to find is that it's often meant as a like morbid, degrading or excessive interest in sexual conduct as opposed to a passing, quote, normal interest in sex or sexual material. Which is, oh, it's just so subjective and hard to define. It is, it is. And that's sort of the issue in all of this. And and the, the Supreme mm-hmm. Court tried to refine that test throughout the 60s and 70s, adding requirements mm-hmm. that something has to be patently offensive or lacking social value in order for it to lose First Amendment protection. Yeah. And interestingly, this came up in a case that I discussed last week when we were talking about book banning where so the there the the court established that officials school officials can't ban books that they don't agree with but that doesn't mean that they can't be pulled for being obscene and they have to again take these sort of community standards into account i was just going to add um i i remember one case after the roth case that established community standards mm-hmm. another case jacob bellis v ohio established that these sort of clarified a little bit that these community standards aren't what they might sound like they're not local mm-hmm. to a community but they're national so they are trying to universalize these standards mm-hmm. right because like one community could in theory be a lot more conservative than another mm-hmm. but but that's mm-hmm. not what they mean allegedly when they talk about community standards they mean a more universal standard yeah and and that's another thing that the supreme court has sort of tried to refine over the years is is, especially once we start getting into cases that came up after the advent of the internet then they start to say okay now we really do have to focus on like a national standard because otherwise this is just it's going to be far too broad 
So then we get to Miller versus California in 1973, um, which is basically the, the test that we still use. And so we, when we're trying to figure out if something is obscene to the point that it loses First Amendment protection, we have to ask whether the average person applying those contemporary social standards would find a book or film or whatever appeals to that prurient interest, which is also just a very hard word to say. So I, mm-hmm. I take issue with that too. Um, it's like rurger. Exactly. I feel like Prurier. I feel like I'm getting further away from it. Prurient. 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 There we go. Prurient. Uh, it has to depict or describe sexual conduct in a patently offensive way, and it must lack ser- quote serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. So the problem with Miller, um, critics point out, and you kind of touched on this Vedahi, is that a work could be found obscene in one community but acceptable in another. And so yeah, and Miller Miller rejected that previous standard mm-hmm. of national. Miller reestablished that it could be more locally based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the dissenting justices were kind of in the background saying, "Okay, like we, this is probably not going to work." And so, sort of going forward, in general, individuals can't be convicted of obscenity charges unless the materials depict patently offensive, hardcore sexual conduct. But again, the, Justice Brennan, who wrote the opinion in PICO, the book manning case that I talked about last episode, he argued that obscenity laws were too vague and just in general couldn't be applied without jeopardizing fundamental First Amendment values. But the pro- I mean, and then on top of this, there's no way that any of these guys could have predicted the Internet. <laughs> Is there has there ever, so has there ever been an actual like um legal definition for like the terms softcore no, and hardcore really. and like yeah what? this is one of those that like okay. i would i would categorize obscenity as probably the most like debated and confusing part of first amendment jurisprudence like there's just never really been a, a mm-hmm. good a, a good definition of it or a definition that makes sense and i think that the supreme court in general has been very I don't know. I don't know if they've been wary to create one because the the First Amendment is so important and so we don't want to come up with something that's too broad. Like we were talking about earlier, it, different different people in different communities are going to have a different idea of what is what is patently offensive, what is what is hardcore, what is softcore. And then yeah, we add in the additional challenge of the internet where mm-hmm. applying those community we're, standards tests is nearly impossible because the internet makes the potential community yeah. the whole world. Yeah, and again, Miller reigned in, like Miller reestablished that basically you can't expect like the people of Maine and Mississippi to have the same community standards as New York City. Mm-hmm. So states are allowed to base, base it on their own local community standards. Enter internet, now it's moot. Anyone mm-hmm. can access anything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, to the to the chagrin of UK <laughs> regulators, which where like pornography was like illegal until like <laughs> right. I don't which know, which is last hilarious because they something. can say any cuss word on air. <laughs> that that is very true. Well, and that's something right. that yeah. um, is kind of interesting when it comes to how how the Supreme Court has approached internet issues because. Like in in Reno versus the ACLU in 1997, Mm -hmm. this was a unanimous decision that struck down provisions of the Communications Decency Act. And that Mm -hmm. was the one that criminalized, quote, indecency on the Internet. And first of all, the Supreme Court was like, that is just way, way too broad. You can't just say 
indecency and not, you know. But something else interesting in that case is that it established that speech on the internet is entitled to the same high level of protection that we see given to print media, as opposed to the slightly lower protection we see to broadcast media, because, you know, we can't be saying... I don't even know what... What can we not say on TV anymore? I know a lot of them are... A lot of the cuss words have been brought in. <laughs> can't say, can't say on network right. TV. Or on the radio. So I get, we're going to have to bleep that out. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was something interesting that the because internet users usually know what they're getting into before they click on something, and it's possible to implement parental controls and things like that, the Supreme Court said, you know, we're going to give the internet the same protection that we do with print media because people can... I guess, more easily steer away from it if they're not into it. (laughs) Yeah, and you mentioned the Communications Decency Act, Laura. Y'all might have heard about this act and specifically a section that is pretty famous in recent years. Oh, no, don't say it again. No, don't say it. Section 230. 230 C1. No, no, I broke broke Andy. (laughs) Basically, if y'all might have heard of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and it provides like generally provides immunity for Mm -hmm. websites that like host third party content. Right. And so they're not potentially like liable for like, if they are just a platform, like maybe (laughs) backpage.com, which like went down. Yep. 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 (laughs) Just hypothetically, they are supposed to have like protection from whatever happens or is said Mm -hmm. amongst its users. But clearly that doesn't always work out. Right. That's very true. Right. Yeah. So one distinction I wanted to make was that obviously, I mean, I hope this is obvious, child pornography is right. not Correct. legal, y'all. Um, so so child, there was uh, like New York v. Ferber established in 1982 that child pornography has no mm-hmm. free speech protection. And therefore, states can make laws criminalizing it, is really what that means. But that is not to be confused with children in possession of pornography or like selling porn Mm -hmm. to children, which is a separate case, Ginsburg v. New York. Children have no right to porn the same way that adults do, or children do not have the same rights to porn as adults do. So um, it's not a violation. States can treat children like under 17, Mm -hmm. I think, in that case. Um, depends on the age of majority in your state, but states can have different laws for regulating pornography or obscenity to children than adults without violating necessarily First Mm -hmm. Amendment principles. Yeah, well, and that's similar to a a case that came, well, a case that I believe the Supreme Court had to to deal with twice, (laughs) Ashcroft versus the ACLU. When it first came up in 2002, they sort of punted on it they because and this was a challenge to the Child Online Protection Act, which aimed to prevent minors from accessing pornography online, and it was challenged for being overbroad. The yeah, the Supreme Court at first they just said, well, the the community this community standards provision, where the the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, the lower court, found that that prohibited material that like a sort of quote puritanical communities would find objectionable, but others would probably not. <laughs> and so they found it was too broad. And mm-hmm. the, the Supreme Court kind of said, well, yeah, probably, but that by itself doesn't invalidate this law. And they sent it back to the Court of Appeals. But on the second go around, the Supreme Court did finally say, okay, yep, this this is overbroad. And it's kind of an interesting, it's one of the more interesting five to four splits I've ever seen. 
where we had um, Justices Kennedy, Stevens, Souter, Thomas, and Ginsburg <laughs> on the same on the what? same side. Yes, on they the held that Congress had not done totally. enough to show that the law was the least restrictive way to prevent kids from unwittingly consuming mm. pornography. And then you had Rehnquist, Scalia, Breyer, and O'Connor on the same side, arguing that the existence of like filtering software and things like that were not were not an alternative legislative approach, but rather just part of the the backdrop that Congress was trying to regulate in. But something interesting that Justice Kennedy wrote that applying the commu- the local community standards, he argued, could just lead mm-hmm. to a huge amount of protected speech being oppressed. And he, he put it really well. He said, a web publisher mm. in a community where, <laughs> I love this, avant-garde culture is the norm, <laughs> may have no <laughs> desire to reach a national market. He might only want to speak to his neighbors. But nevertheless, if an eavesdropper in a more traditional rural community chooses to listen in, there is nothing a publisher can do. And mm-hmm. that, I think, sums up really well like mm-hmm. why this is such a really nebulous thing when it comes to the internet is like, that's why I'm I'm here to tell you that like <laughs> online pornography is probably not going anywhere because it's just far too hard to for for Congress to try to regulate around it and and for there to be a standard yeah to have and a so, national standard right yeah and and all of that yeah. to say that I mean I think there are quite a few First Amendment scholars out there who who argue that obscenity law is sort of obsolete because we don't really see federal prosecutions for obscenity anymore but yeah. yeah, yeah. Only child right. trafficking and pornography. Um, Only that right. kind of stuff. Which is but different. it is it is um, important to note that yeah. states continue to criminalize or pun or punish sexually explicit speech in various ways. So even though a national ban on pornography is unlikely, it is important to keep an eye on those state houses if this is an int- an issue that you're interested in. Thanks for listening to Sidebar from Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. We'll be releasing these every other week between our full-length episodes. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover, send us an email at finelawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. The Oh my God, Ted. Hey, Ted's mad. Ted wants porn to be illegal. Ted is upset about pornography. What is going on, Bubba?